Welcome to Convention Pulpit Teen Edition, brought to you through the ministry of Time of Discovery, a division of Interchurch Holiness Convention. Subscribe to this podcast or visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and for more information on this ministry at www.ihconvention.com. Dan Durkee has been effectively used by God to speak to young people all across the nation. He now serves as the president of Penview Bible Institute in Penns Creek, Pennsylvania. I know your heart will be stirred by this powerful message. Young people, IHC loves you. The leaders of this youth discovery services love you. This preacher standing behind this podium this afternoon loves you. And more than anything else, we want to see you make it to heaven. We want to see you make it. In the book of Amos, Old Testament book, you probably hardly ever turn there. The book of Amos chapter 8. We find an account that God gave, Amos gave. In verse 1, it says, Thus hath the Lord God showed unto me, and he said, Behold, a basket of summer fruit. And he said, Amos, what seest thou? And I said, A basket of summer fruit. Then said the Lord unto me, The end is come. The end has come. It goes on to say in verse 11, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of thirst or of bread, or thirst of water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea, from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. Young people, you're looking at a life, a long life you pray for, a fulfilling life, a life of of marriage and children and family and prosperity as, as so many would want to call it. And I'd love to come in here this afternoon and talk to you about all the things that God's going to do for you and encourage you. But my heart has been heavy to think that there are people that are sitting here this afternoon that one of these days, perhaps not too far down the road, time as you and I know it, will run out. Will come to an end. How many of you like going to grandma's house? Let me see your hands. There's nothing like going to grandma's house, grandpa's house. And there was a little boy, he often enjoyed being in grandma's presence. And, and as grandma would sit there knitting away in the rocking chair, he was just a three, four, five-year-old little guy learning to count numbers. And he enjoyed being there around the middle of the day because the old grandfather clock in the corner of the room, when it, when it would strike 12, and, you know, it would gong out 12 times. And he was learning to count that way. And grandma enjoyed listening to him count. And so that grandfather clock would ring out and and begin to chime on the top of the hour at 12 and that little boy begin to count. One and two. Three and four. Five and six. Seven. Eight. Nine. 
Grandma began to look at him, wondering if he'd get the next one because he kind of struggled at times. Eleven. Gong. Twelve. Oh, he was so excited. He'd done it. And then all of a sudden the clock went. Gong. Thirteen, he said to his grandma. She goes, that's right. And she thought, what in the world is that clock doing? Gong. Fourteen. And it stopped. And the little boy looked to his grandma and he says, Grandma, it's later than it's ever been. And grandma kind of laughed, wondering what in the world happened to the clock. But you know something, young people? Truer words have really never been spoken. Because frankly, it's later than it's ever been. We're living in a day and age when so many people wonder about time. What's it for anyway? They, they abhor holy times or are selfishly concerned about time for themselves and eager for their own use of time. And no doubt there's a great meaning for time. Benjamin Franklin says, dost thou love life? He says, then don't squander time because it's the stuff that life is made of. Time. William James, a great philosopher, once said, the best use of time is to spend it for that which will outlast it. Time. The Bible's real specific about time when it said in Ephesians chapter 5, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. This is wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And young people, that's the key to time. You think you have a long life, and I pray if God tarries his coming, that you'll have a long life serving God. But what time is all about is for doing and understanding the very will of God. One writer said, time is God's gift to us. It is a measured portion of unmeasured eternity in which we settle our eternal destiny. Heaven or hell? time. In James chapter 4, those familiar words that you hear often preached, perhaps at summer youth camps, in your own home church, revival meetings, but those thoughts that says, go to now ye that say today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year, buy and sell and get gain. It says, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? He said, it is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. For that, you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or do that. Jesus even recognized the stewardship of time when he said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. For he said, the night cometh when no man can work. Young people, one thing I've learned in my Christian journey, my spiritual journey with God, And that is, I've always watched godly people take time seriously. Godly people. You think of some of the godliest people you know, and think about what they think about time. They take it seriously. Robert Moffat was a great missionary to Africa, and he looked out over a thousand African villages where Christ wasn't known, and and yet God had used them in a mighty way, and he says, you know what? 
He says, we shall have all eternity to celebrate our victories. But he says, we only have one swift hour before sunset in which to win them. He recognized that what he had to do was not celebrate, but be busy about what God wanted him to do. Thinking about time. I come to IHC and... Matter of fact, somebody behind the curtain was just talking about being in a wedding 25 years ago of a couple. And he said, man, where is time gone? It makes me feel like I'm getting old. When I remember being in their wedding 25 years ago, and they're now celebrating their 25th anniversary time. One writer said, what happened to time? He said, when as a child, I laughed and, and wept. He said, time crept. He said, when as a youth, and that's you this afternoon, when as a youth I dreamed and talked, it was amazing how time just walked. But as a full-grown man, I see how time has ran. And for some of you that are in the back, as later as I older grew, you've realized how much time has flew. And soon I shall find while traveling on that the thing I've called time has come and gone. Time. I came across a magazine article as though time had wrote it itself. This is what it said. He said, most men think I'm on the move forever, but I'm not. He said, when God stops me, that will be it. Then it will be too late to forgive your brother, to apologize to your sister or mother, to visit a sick friend, or even to help the needy. He said, worst of all, it'll be too late to repent and be saved. You see, my name is Time. And when I come to an end, you will go with me to eternity. That's why the Bible says, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Young people, we don't have promise of time of discovery tomorrow at 1015. You don't have promise to hear Rollin Mitchell tonight in the 715 or 730 service. You have right now. This moment. Unfortunately, a product of today's education in many, many places is this idea that there's unlimited time. You know, you've heard of 16 billion years since the Big Bang and billions more before the sun burns out. You go to those museums, it's crazy. They seem to think and act as though they're going to be around forever when most people never even see a hundred And I'm here to remind you this afternoon that when the end of time comes, it will first of all come unexpectedly. Did you hear me? When the end of time comes, it will first of all come unexpectedly. You read the book of Amos and you'll find that when the people of Amos thought they had a long afternoon to conclude their business, the Bible says the sun went down at noon and darkened their day. Time as they knew it had ended, had run out. One writer said, right at the time when people expect to get saved at midnight, he said they usually die at 11.30. Oh, someday, preacher, I'll really get settled and I'll take God's way and not live on the edge, but not now. Someday. But may I remind you that when the end of time comes for everybody in this auditorium, it will come unexpectedly. I remember being just a 15-year-old teenager 
the first time this concept dawned upon me, and I, I realized it. I was standing on the, uh, on the streets of St. Petersburg, Florida, my home city. I was preparing to watch the space shuttle Challenger lift off of Cape Canaveral. In, in, in Florida, when you're even on the, the west coast of Florida, once the shuttle gets a certain point in the, in the sky, you can see it. Doesn't take long. It's up there. You can see it. It's a real flat you know, state. You understand that? And so many a launch I've watched from where I lived. That was a really special launch that day because the first teacher was going to outer space, Crystal McCulloch. She's from the New England area, and she was going to teach from outer space. It was a big deal to us in our day. It was huge. The world was watching. I remember standing outside and, and watching, and sure enough, it got to a certain point, man, I could see it. I mean, there it was. And it was going, and, and I, I've seen other launches, but I noticed something wasn't right with that one. It was doing something different. And I really didn't know once. I, I remember going inside the house and turning on our television, and I saw it up close and personal. And I realized that the space shuttle Challenger had exploded tragically on that January day. And it dawned upon me as a 15-year-old that this was so unexpected. I mean, the world was anticipating being, uh, having somebody teach from outer space. And yet the end of time came for those seven astronauts that day. And I realized how unexpected the end of time can come. I remember being in Bible college a few years later. I was at Penview Bible Institute, a college student singing in a quartet. I remember that Friday night of revival meeting, how God had come in a tremendous way, and we had a wonderful time. I was in a quartet singing with Jim Plank and Dwight Ryan, and Dwight's here today, I believe. He's been around. My wife was just, we were dating, and she was the piano player for that group. We had sung a song in that Friday night revival service on the campus of Penview. Sang a song about the land of life where living will be forever. Man, God was all over that place. People were testifying, praising God. It was exciting. One of those kind of services that you just don't want to go home. I remember when the service ended, it was, it was a late evening, late night. The service ended, we made our way back to the dorm, but man, we continued to have service, so to speak. We sat around in living rooms in the dorm, and we fellowshiped and reminisced and talked and had a great time. Talking about, man, we're ready to go to heaven, we're going to serve God. We all went to bed. Saturday was a sleeping day, often was for me. I remember on that particular Saturday, my buddy and I, Dan, we were going to play a practical joke on a young lady. I remember on that particular morning, I'd gone to Dan's room and his door was partly open and I looked in and he was on his knees praying and I just backed out, waited a little bit until he finished. When he got all done, I said, are you ready to do it? He said, man, let's do it. Everyone's heading toward lunch, you know. We, we, we slept through breakfast. We always like to fast Saturday breakfasts. Hey, anybody else with me on that? Yeah. I remember, I remember. It's about lunchtime. Everybody's heading to the cafeteria, the dining center, dining hall. Him and I go out to the parking lot. We were going to play a practical joke on a young lady. This young lady was going to be going to work after lunch, but we were going to make it impossible for her to drive her car to work. But we were going to do it without ever touching her car because we wanted to always be able to answer. I never touched her car. I didn't touch her car. If you do this, don't tell them you got the idea for me, all right? But I remember we decided to pull my car up 
I pulled in with my passenger side on her passenger side, as close as I can get to her car in the parking lot without touching the paint. I got out, locked my doors. That Dan was going to back his car on his passenger side on her driver's side, as close as you possibly can do without touching. Then he's going to lock his doors, and we were going to be away for the rest of the day. So that when she went to get in her car, she couldn't get in her car. She couldn't even fit to get in her car. It was impossible. And so they would need us to move our cars, and we would just be unavailable for a while, you know, the day before cell phones, that kind of technology. They couldn't reach us. It was going to be a great joke. She'd have to figure something else out. It'd be a little hectic for her for a while, but she deserved it. And so we, we thought it'd be all right. You know, we were doing this kind of stuff back and forth. So I remember Dan and I, we pulled this off. We went down out of the dorm into the parking lot on the campus, and I, I, I pulled my passenger side on her passenger side, got as close as possible got out, locked the doors. All right, Dan jumps in his car. Everyone's at the dining center. They don't even, you know, they're not missing us. You know, people over there, we'll get to lunch in a little bit, maybe, or go, leave campus, go wherever. And I remember him backing his car in on her driver's side. He got as close as possible. I said, man, it's perfect. Let's get out of here. I remember Dan opening the driver's door. And as he opened the door and began to throw his legs out the driver's seat, I remember him clutching his chest. Oh, he groaned I said, Dan, what's wrong? He said, oh, it hurts. It hurts. I said, Dan, he said, I got to call my mom. I got to call my mom. And up the steps in the dorm, up to, up to the room, up to where the phone was. I didn't know what was wrong with Dan. I remember, I remember calling, he's trying to call his mom and I got the deans and they come rushing over to the, where we were, and they checked him out. It seemed like the pain had subsided. He didn't know what was wrong. He just hurt. Dan's 18, healthy, strong. Couldn't get a hold of his mom, and the dean said, well, if you need anything, let us know. And I said, well, I'll just stay here with him, you know. Wasn't long that pain came back severe. Got the deans. They pulled their car, and we put Dan in the backseat of the car. The, the young lady that we played a practical joke on, uh, she was from his church. She was also a nurse, and so she got into the hatchback part of that station wagon. And they rushed off to the hospital. On the way to the hospital, it was twice where Dan had to be revived. I remember it wasn't long that the call came back to campus that this young man named Dan Hoke who loved God, who had testified that night before in revival service about how he's ready for heaven, written in his prayer journal about how he's ready to go, even that morning. Yet the call came back about the aneurysm in his heart that had burst. And he had no chance. And the end of time came for a prospective missionary young man who today could perhaps be speaking in that international service. But it happened. And when it happened, it came unexpectedly. Just last fall in central Pennsylvania, a young man that's been a part of our youth camp, God's Missionary Youth Camp, 17 years old, high school senior, a testimony of God's grace in his life, but something happened in the nighttime and Lost control, his truck rolled, and Brian Coral was taken out of this world. Tragically. And the end of time came for him unexpectedly. Young people, I'm here to remind you as faithfully as I know how, and as 
compassionately as I know how, that the end of time is coming for every one of us. And when it comes, it will come unexpectedly. Not only will it come unexpectedly, but the other thing I want you to notice this afternoon, and that is when it does come, it will be unalterable. There'll be nothing that you can do that can change the fact that the end of time has come. It'll be once and for all. No more hope, no more chances. I remember when I was pastoring in Berwick, Pennsylvania, and, the, and, and I, I realized that a neighbor for somebody in my congregation had, was having a tragic accident in the state of Florida. They were enjoying their first family vacation when something had gone wrong with their 10-year-old son, Brandon, and, and he was now in a coma in a hospital, in Arnold Palmer Hospital in Orlando, Florida. They didn't know me from anybody, but I made contact with them through their neighbor and said, we're a pastor in your community. We're praying for you. If there's anything we can do, we want you to know we want to be there for you. A few days later, they medically jetted that family to Pennsylvania to a large medical center in our community. And I met the family for the first time. And for the next 30 out of 31 days, I spent at the hospital with this precious family. With a boy who had a brainstem tumor, now in a coma, given up for no, just no hope for him. And I remember day after day after day praying, God, if somehow you can spare him, if we can change this. But I begin to realize how unalterable this situation was. And I remember the day they pulled life support from that 10-year-old boy. And I remember the day that Brandon Thompson left this world. And how unalterable it was for that family. My heart broke. Heart broke. Oh, there's been other stories that we can talk about today. People that you know and people that I know. People who've graced this platform, who've led services like this. That when the end of time came, it was unalterable. There was nothing we could do. I remember as a pastor when the call came to the parsonage and there was a woman on the phone. She was screaming and she was screaming and I couldn't understand what she was saying. I finally recognized it was the voice of my own mother. I said, Mom, what's going on? And she began to tell me, and she would calm down enough that I could understand her. And she began to talk to me about my brother, Dennis. She began to talk to me about what had happened to Dennis on that Thanksgiving Eve. That in the midst of a drunken stupor, thinking life wasn't worth living and, and didn't care, even though he was married, 25, three kids had the same opportunity that I had to go to church and to serve God. But he said, someday, not now though, I'm going to live it up, do my thing. But the night that my brother took the gun and ended his own life, and tragically left this world without God, it broke my heart. To think he had the same chance that I had. But he said, someday... Not now. I remember when I made my way to Florida and there I saw his wife and those three precious children. There I saw my stepdad and my mom and I thought, I wish I could change it. If there's anybody I could have changed it for, I would have changed it for my own brother. But he missed it. He missed it. He missed it. Young people, the end of time is coming. And when it comes, it'll be unalterable. How many of us have had opportunity? Ample opportunity. 
We're living in a nation that's had ample opportunity for people to get right with God. You're living in homes and you're living in churches and you're a part of a convention. You've had every opportunity to really get settled and go God's way. Praying parents and praying grandparents. Praying pastor and Sunday school teachers. People who care about you. And yet we've got wrapped up living on the edge. And just kind of going through life thinking, well, someday I'll have an opportunity to to really take God's way. But young people, I'm here to tell you that someday may never come. The end of time is coming. All you got to do is look at the things going on around about us. Maybe they don't mean a whole lot to you, but I'd encourage you to wake up and pay attention. Things are happening rapidly in our world And one of these days, time as we know it is going to end. Amos was faithful. He was a faithful prophet trying to to warn these people, but they didn't heed the warning. They didn't care. They gave themselves over to what they wanted to do and didn't heed the warnings. And there were some sins that those people in their day were very guilty of that I believe brought about the end of time. And as I parallel those sins with the sins of our day, I think to myself, the end of time is near. It's nigh at hand, and what we do, we must do right here and right now. One of the sins that they were guilty of in their day was a profanity of the Sabbath. They were guilty of a profanity of the Sabbath. When will the Sabbath be gone that we can do what we want to do? They abhorred the holy times. And unfortunately, we're living in a day and age in which we've raised a generation of people that know nothing of reverencing God's day and God's house and the things that are important. We've got pastors and churches and teachers that that are afraid to even talk about how important it is to remember the holy day, God's day. Brought about the end of time, and we're going to pay a price, young people. They were not only guilty of a profanity of the Sabbath, but they were guilty of a pretense in worship. They weren't worshiping from their hearts. They just paid lip service to their worship to God. They weren't doing it from their hearts, and we're living in that day. When it seems like everybody's a Christian today. From the White House to the, to the, to the poor house to the lowest. To the, everybody's a Christian today. I wonder what God thinks. I wonder what God feels when he hears people call themselves Christian homosexuals. I wonder what God thinks when he hears people talk about how they're a Christian alcoholic. I wonder what God thinks when people say, well, you know, I'm a Christian adulterer or I'm a Bibleless Christian. No, they wouldn't say it, but they are. I'm a churchless Christian. I'm a Christian. I don't go to church. I'm a standardless Christian. I'm a prayerless Christian. I'm a Christian, but I really don't pray. I don't testify. I'm a tithless Christian. I don't give back to God what's his. I rob God, but I'm a Christian. A pretense in worship. They were guilty of it in that day, and young people were guilty of this in our day. And may God forgive us. May God forgive us. They were guilty of pleasure-seeking. He warned them over and over, but they rejected the serious warnings. They turned themselves over to pleasure. And oh, we're intoxicated today with pleasure. Intoxicated with sports, sensuality, ourself. We're living in that day, and unfortunately, you're in the midst of it, and I'm in the midst of it. 
The Bible says that this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents as a sign of the end times. Unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, and this is lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Young people, we're living in that day. May God forgive us. But the sin that I see them guilty of that really hits me is the sin of procrastination. Just putting it off. Putting it off. Someday, preacher, but not now. Do you realize the most dangerous word in the English language is someday? You know why it is? Because it robs us of the now. It robs you of today. Today. The Israelites were calloused by the comforts of their day. You read the account in the story. Understand the context of it. They were comfortable. Life was good. They didn't believe the end was near, but it was. Young people, I've done my best to be faithful to your heart. But I want to ask you a question. In closing. What time is it? No, 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 no. Not the time on your phone or on the wall or your wrist. But if we could know, I wonder what the spiritual timepiece of our life would say. Time is coming to an end. And young people, I want to do my best to be obedient to God's voice and will in my life and faithful to yours. I was but a boy. It was St. Petersburg, Florida. It was a stormy night, a stormy early morning. Everyone was warned to stay off the, uh, stay, stay out of the Tampa Bay, to keep the boats in, in the harbor, keep them anchored. But there was a barge that was trying to navigate the, the Tampa Bay. It was trying to navigate in the midst of that terrible storm. I was but a boy. I was 10 years old, 9, 10 years old. They tell us that that barge, defying the the authorities, tried to do what it wanted to do, only to hit a piling that held up the large span of the Sunshine Skyway Bridge. 1980s when it happened. I'll never forget it. That bridge buckled and that bridge crashed and dropped to the watery depths below. There were vehicles on that bridge when that happened. People perished. There was a Greyhound bus on that bridge with a man from the Fort Myers Rescue Mission. Lost their life. It was a tragedy that early morning. Story has it that there was a man who noticed the vehicle ahead of him had disappeared. Just gone. He slammed on his brakes and came to the edge and stopped got out, realized what tragedy had taken place. The bridge was out. Something had happened terribly, and the bridge was out at the high point of the, that 19 or 16 mile long bridge. 
the bridge was out. And then he looks and he can see the headlights of the oncoming car coming. It was early morning. Dark. Stormy. And here comes the car. Stop! The bridge is out! Only for that car to go off the end. Stop! The bridge is out! They say only to watch you go off the end. No doubt people driving by wondering, what in the world is that madman doing on the bridge in a storm? Screaming and waving his arms at us, unaware that the end of time was near. There's probably some of you this afternoon that's sitting there saying, what in the world is this preacher doing? Waving his arms. But young people, the bridge is out. And the end of time is near. They tell us that that man got so desperate on that bridge that he threw himself in front of the next car. As he would frantically wave his arms perhaps and scream. I mean, who knows what you would do in that moment. But he threw himself, willing to give his life to save these people. And traffic began to back up. Countless people were spared that day. Oh, thank God there's one that stands in the gap. Thank God there was one named Jesus Christ who willingly gave of his life. It didn't matter if people were mocking him. It didn't matter what they did. He was trying to be faithful to a world. And young people, you've come to IH Convention. We're so glad you have. And you've come to Youth Discovery. We're so glad you have. And perhaps you never dreamed you'd hear something like this today. But listen to me. The end of time is coming And if there's a spiritual need in your life, don't put it off. This afternoon is your moment. God is being faithful to your heart. There's chairs that are lined up here. There's this high altar here. I would just challenge you to let God have his way in your life. And don't put it off. Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit Teen Edition. Brought to you through the Ministry of Time of Discovery, a division of Interchurch Holiness Convention. For more sermons or for more information, subscribe to this monthly podcast or visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, 18931 Route 522, Beaver Springs, Pennsylvania, 17812.